Hi, welcome to Bookie. To unlock more world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features. Hi, welcome to Bookie. Today we will unlock the book when books went to war, the stories that helped us win World War II. When asking the question how did America win World War II, the first thing that comes to mind is the story depicted in Band of Brothers. We think of how the U.S. Army's 101st Airborne Division fought bravely in Europe, or the elaborate plan and brilliant tactics of the Allies on D-Day June 6, 1944. We also remember the islands and islets in the Pacific Ocean that America conquered, and the two atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Certainly, American won the war using its superior military strength. However, did you know that books also served as another weapon during the victory process? How did America win World War II with the help of books? The answer is found in the story that When Books Went to War tells us. When Books Went to War is the first to reveal the inside story of the armed services editions in World War II, telling an inspiring history of books and war a paperback revolution without gun smoke. It is the best interpretation of U.S. soft power. As Entertainment Weekly asserted, whether or not you're a book lover, you'll be moved by this impeccably researched tale. The author of this book is Molly Guptill Manning. She is a well-known American writer and lawyer, whose works can be frequently found in high-end journals, like the Columbia Journal of Law and the Arts. She is also the author of The Myth of Ephraim Tut. The idea of when books went to war was born by chance. Molly once found a volume of letters from American soldiers in World War II, while conducting research on a publishing house's archives. This was the first time she was introduced to the armed services editions. In those letters, soldiers expressed their appreciation to the Council on Books in Wartime for freely offering portable paperbacks, which lifted their spirits during their tough time on the battlefield. Inspired by this random discovery, Molly was determined to tell the story of how books helped Americans win World War II. The result is the following story. Now, let's begin to unlock this book by dividing it into three sections. First, how did books go to war? Second, what role did books play in World War II? Third, what effects did books have in the post-war period? First, let's find out how books went to war. Before World War II, Hitler started an ideological war and began filtering which books came in from Europe. On May 10, 1933, Nazi government-organized student groups carried out a public burning of books in Berlin, burning thousands of books they claimed were subversive to Nazi ideology. Shortly after that, nearly 100 book-burning campaigns were conducted in Germany. To ensure that the book burnings would have a wide audience, Nazis advertised it through headlines, publicizing that the books burnt were harmful to the German values. After the outbreak of World War II, Hitler not only occupied other countries' territories, but also planned to manipulate people's ideological beliefs. Once they had conquered a country, Nazis purged libraries, expropriated any books and artwork they liked, and destroyed books that they claimed were un-German. Through European book burnings, books by Karl Marx, Albert Einstein, Jack London, Helen Keller, and Thomas Mann, were nearly all destroyed. You might wonder how Germany, a country with an honorable tradition and culture, 
could be the source of these massive book burnings? It was the result of Hitler's diabolical scheme. He wanted to create a new world that was controlled only by Nazi ideology. In addition to the book purges, Hitler also used radio broadcasting as a means of publicizing Nazi propaganda. On September 1, 1939, Germany invaded Poland during a lightning war, also known as the Blitzkrieg in German. Following this, Hitler then infiltrated France through radio broadcast. Radio commentators spoke highly of the German army's dominance, expressed concern about France's fighting ability, and finally, predicted that France could not defend against a single attack. Hitler's target was to weaken the French people's morale. Although the French government attempted to launch an ideological counteroffensive by taking an oath to defend freedom, France capitulated six weeks later when the attack finally materialized. Using similar tricks, Hitler defeated Poland, Finland, Denmark, Norway, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Despite the great distance between the two countries, Germany continued to rely on radio to infiltrate the minds of the American people. However, unlike its success in Europe, the campaign had little effect on America. The U.S. media immediately exposed the true intention of the German radio broadcasts, and successfully prevented the infiltration. After occupying a huge piece of land in Europe, Hitler hinted in a speech that America was his next target. Meanwhile however, the majority Americans were still tranquil and felt at peace. They refused to get involved, only 7% of Americans voted to declare war upon Germany. At that time, Germany owned the world's most powerful mechanized army with several million soldiers, while America only had an army of 174,000 men. Whether or not Americans supported the war, their conscription was thus necessary. As a result of this, President Franklin D. Roosevelt introduced a nationwide conscription. Hundreds of thousands of new recruits entered into army camps, facing arduous and prolonged training. However, the U.S. Army at that time was so unprepared, that they didn't have enough camps and training facilities, not to mention entertainment options. Recruits described the camps as dirty, stinking, and muddy. All of them had to share a 16 by 16 foot tent with 6 to 8 soldiers. You'll haul coal and ash and ashes. You'll stoke fires, you'll mop floors, and you'll put a high polish on the windows. They felt foolish, as they were forced to pretend that a mop handle propped up on a sawhorse was an anti-aircraft gun. During their off-duty hours, soldiers who had just transitioned from being civilians struggled with loneliness and confusion. Some even felt the situation was insufferable. They doubted that this nonsensical cause was a worthy reason to answer the call of duty, and leave their wonderful civilian life. To improve the morale of new servicemen, the U.S. Army planned to build recreational facilities and tiny travel libraries. In late 1940, the Army made an official plan to build libraries and purchase books for soldiers. A reserve first lieutenant named Raymond L. Troutman was selected to become the chief of the library section of the U.S. Army. However, the plan soon faced funding shortages. To overcome this, Troutman and his colleagues hosted local book drives in New York to gather light fiction and comic novels from locals, which eventually accumulated into tens of thousands of books for American soldiers. Unexpectedly, the local drive inspired the American Library Association, ALA, and soon led to a national book drive. 
The first step of the book drive was of course advertising. Every bus, chain supermarket, broadcast channel, and even bus ticket was advertising the campaign or calling for donations. Donation boxes were set up in every corner of the rural and urban areas. At one time, thousands of books flew in from all directions. On December 7, 1941, as the National Book Drive was thriving in the U.S. mainland, Japan carried out a sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. America soon declared war on Japan, and Germany followed by declaring war on the United States. This time, the librarians vowed not only to collect books for the servicemen, but also to demonstrate to soldiers why the nation was at war. For this reason, the campaign was officially named the Victory Book Campaign, also known as the VBC. President Roosevelt and the First Lady showed their support by publicly donating books for the servicemen at the very beginning of the campaign. In the next two weeks, Hollywood stars also threw their support behind the campaign, including Benny Goodman, Kate Smith, and Katherine Hepburn. The book campaign reached a climax. Civilians around the nation came to donate books as a way of supporting the troops. After one year of the campaign start, 10 million books were collected. The predetermined target was achieved. As the size of the army dramatically increased, orders for new books also soared. Two problems came to the surface. First, civilians had run out of books that could be donated. Second, soldiers needed to go to the battlefront without carrying any heavy burdens. What they needed were portable lightweight volumes, not ponderous hardcovers. The VBC turned to publishing companies for help. This time, 5,000 pocket books were given to the campaign by publishers. Pocket books promptly became servicemen's favorites, as they were lighter and smaller than the traditional hardcovers. They easily made the rounds overseas, as well as in camps and hospitals. At the same time, because there was a rigorous wartime paper rationing, publishing companies' printing paper was seriously deficient. These circumstances doomed the VBC. Instead, a new portable kind of book named Armed Services Edition, also known as the ASE, emerged as the new weapon for the ideological war. Speaking of the invention of ASEs, we have to thus mention an organization named the Council on Books in Wartime. The most remarkable contribution of the Council was to offer the ASEs to soldiers. These booklets were specially customized according to the size of military uniforms' pockets. The largest ASE was only three-quarters of an inch thick, and the smallest was less than an eighth of an inch thick. At these sizes, the larger ASE could fit in the pocket of a soldier's pants, while the smaller could be tucked away in a breast pocket. Even an ASE with 512 pages could easily slip into a hip pocket. The smaller books were only as big as wallets. Even soldiers on the front lines could promptly summon such a book. Knowing that battles took place at a tense moment and lighting conditions were unsatisfactory, the council invented a kind of book that would be friendly to readers' eyes. Those books were wider than they were tall, so that each page could accommodate two columns of 2.5 to 3 inches of text. It was said that this design was completely readable, even under conditions of poor light and motion. Additionally, ASEs were all bound by staples, because glue was a feast for insects, and could easily loosen or dissolve. You can see that a lot of care was put into them. 
Their sincerity is also obvious when looking at the titles produced as ASEs. To fit the tastes of every man, the council assigned a group to provide their opinions about each book's merits and demerits. After selection, the next step was to seek approval from the government and the army. Despite the censorship, the final list of ASEs still varied from classics, like David Copperfield and Shakespeare's poetry, to modern fiction, like A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Authors whose books were selected as ASEs were rewarded with the loyal readership of millions of men. The titles that were chosen as favorites spread quickly, even reaching the homeland. Many books were brought out of obscurity and have since become classics. The Great Gatsby was one of them. Many ASEs sold an impressive number of copies, and brought fame to their authors. Betty Smith's A Tree Grows in Brooklyn was the most popular ASE of them all, and was compared to A Good Letter from Home. One Man's West by David Lavender printed 53,000 copies in a few years. Even the author himself could scarcely believe such figures. That brings us to the end of section 1. To fight with Nazis book burning, America held two large campaigns to bring books to the battlefields. The first one was the Victory Book Campaign, gathering books from civilians to send to the army, breathing life into the monotonous lives of servicemen. The second one was the OSA Project. The Council on Books in Wartime printed the ASCs for soldiers, and made books for soldiers to read on the battlefield. Today we are just sharing limited bookie. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features.